We'll get started on a new series we're starting today called Starting Point. And so basically what I wanted to do as we entered into this school year is go back to the foundations or the basics of the Christian faith. I don't have all the time in the world to, to cover like everything of the Christian faith, but we're going to just have a conversation about the Christian faith at the starting point. Okay, so today what we're going to look at is the problem. And, and probably with me even saying that, if you've grown up in church, you know anything about church, you're probably going to already know what the problem is, and that's sin. And we're going to look at sin today, and then next week we're going to look at this difference between rules and a relationship, and, and what does that look like, and then the following week we'll look at Jesus, and the fourth week we'll look at grace. So that's what we want to walk through in the week of September, is this conversation about faith. And just getting back to the basics, because as we enter into a new school year, I want us to start back at the foundation, make sure we understand what we believe, why we believe it, as we enter into a new school year, so, so we can begin to live that out, also sharing that with the people around us. And so, I don't know if you guys have ever had a problem in your life, but uh, probably four or five years ago, I was living in an apartment over on Sandusky Street. If you guys don't know where that is, just go to Brookside Park. It's right over there. I was living in an apartment over there. And I probably, other than my dad and one of the only other people, if you drive, you'll, you may understand this, that will run my gas tank probably until it's way below E. I'm one that will never fill my gas up. There's like my mom on the other side who if it gets to a half a tank, she goes and fills it up because she didn't want to run out of gas. And then there's like me and my dad who will run it till it literally is like breaking off the needle at the bottom way below E. And so one time I was doing stuff um, where, when I was working at the other church over at Southview and I was doing stuff to get ready for an event. And so my gas tank was already on E. And I thought, it'll be all right. I got some stuff to do today. I'm not driving far out of Ashland. But what I didn't know, and this is how naive I am sometimes, is that every time you turn your car off and start it again, it uses more gas to get it started. So I thought this is going to be fine. But I had to go like six different places. And so I would go to one place, shut the car off, get some stuff done, and then I'd, I'd start it back up. And so I kept doing that for about five or six times. And I kept seeing this needle go further and further below the E. I thought, this is all right. We'll be okay. And so finally, my buddy comes over. I get back to my apartment. It's way below you. My buddy comes over, and I say, hey, I got to go run and get some stuff. So I start the car. I'm like, we're going to go get gas first because I definitely need gas. Start the car, pull out of my driveway, and I don't even get a turn. I barely got a turn out of my driveway, and I start hearing this like, and I thought, well, this is weird. I've never run out of gas before, so it was like confusing to me. I was like, what is this noise? And so we're on the middle. If you kind of know Sandusky Street, it's not like a street nobody comes on. There's cars coming, and it's just I'm sitting right in the middle of the one lane. I can't move. I keep hitting the gas like, okay, maybe it's something, and then I try to keep starting it, and maybe that's something, and I don't know. And, and luckily, I got my buddy over here where I'm sitting here in front of the steering wheel like, what's the problem? I don't understand what the problem is. I, I'm starting it. It's not starting. I'm hitting the gas. It's not... I don't know what to do. And, and my buddy over here, he, he was a mechanic for part of his life. And so he's sitting there almost laughing because he knows what the problem is. And he says, you're out of gas. That's your problem. It has nothing to do with your battery. It doesn't, you're, you're out of gas. And so it, me, being the nice friend I am, I said, oh, okay, well, we probably should move this out of the road. Can you get out and push it? I, sit, I sat in the driver's seat while he pushes my car off of Sandusky Street into a driveway. So we're off Sandusky Street and then... We went down, I have a buddy that lives down the street from where we were at and got one of his gas tanks and got enough gas in it to get to the gas station. But there's so many times in our life, whether it's a situation like that, me being naive about cars and stuff, I don't know a whole lot. You sit at a problem and you go, what, what's the problem here? 
I'm sitting in front, behind the steering wheel and I go, okay, I've never run out of gas, so I don't have the experience to go, what's the problem here? I, can't, I know exactly what it is. No, 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 I'm sitting there going, what's the problem? Or just last week, Shannon had texted me when I got to work and she said, hey, just so you know, the power's out. Our power, I swear everywhere we live, the power goes out for some moment of time. So she texts me, she says the power's out. I'm like, okay, well, let me know if it doesn't come back on. Came back on later. Well, I go home later that night and I walk down into our laundry room to see, you know, just make sure there's nothing in there. And I think um, our daughter Willow had some stuff in there. So I said, I'm just going to move it over. Well, I go over to the dryer and I open up the dryer to pull her clothes out and they're soaking wet. And I go, what's the problem here? Like, she put them in the dryer and she said she started it. So if it started, they shouldn't be soaking wet. I go back upstairs and I say, hey, we got a problem here. Um, you said you started the dryer and they're sopping wet. She said, no, that can't be possible. I said, no, it's, it, they're wet. She said, oh, you know what it was? The power went out and it must have turned off the dryer and it never kicked back on. Because it was running when the power went out. There's so many different situations we look at and, and we stand on the outside and we go, well, what's the problem here? There's something wrong and I don't know what it is. And until we figure out what the problem is, we don't necessarily know how to navigate it. And I think when we look at the world around us, we ask ourselves this question. I think there's a problem here, but I don't know what it is. And so as we talk about this conversation about faith, the idea we're going to look at today is the main problem I want to unpack is the problem is sin problem is sin. When we look around and we're sitting behind the steering wheel going, I don't understand. I keep hearing clicks. I'm hitting the gas. I don't understand what the problem is. We're looking at the world around us and we go, okay, what's, what's with all this evil over here? Why is it that all these bad things keep happening to me? Why, why is it that life doesn't seem to go the way I want it to? And, and we're not understanding that, that when we thought when we grew up in, in church and we talked about this relationship with Jesus, we knew it wasn't going to be an easy life, but we thought, that life should at least start to make sense and come together, but, but sometimes we forget that there's a problem in our world, and that's sin. And we have to get back to the basics that sin is the issue in our world. So three things I want to unpack. What is sin? What is categorized as sin? And what's the solution to sin? Those three things we're going to look at. So first, what is sin? I think a word that we've tended to substitute for this word sin is a word called, or a word mistake. A word mistake. You've probably heard this, you know, hey, I've made a mistake, or, or you hear other people talk about mistakes. And I think what we've done is we substituted this word mistake for sin. Now make sure you understand this, because I'm going to read the definition from both. And I think when we begin to understand what truly sin is, we can understand why using this word mistake is not the right word to use when we talk about sin. Okay, so here's your definition for a mistake. A mistake is an error in action, judgment, calculation, opinion, caused by poor reasoning, carelessness, or insufficient knowledge. Okay, let me read that again because it's probably confusing, but, but the second part is really, I think, going to make more sense to you. A mistake is an error in action, judgment, calculation, opinion, caused by poor reasoning, carelessness, or insufficient knowledge. Here, if you're like, I'm so confused what that even meant, here's probably a basic thing you need to know. Mistakes are accidental. Mistakes are accidental. When you make a mistake, probably, unless you're doing it on purpose, 
because you want to be ornery or something, you're probably making a mistake, not necessarily meaning to do something. So here's an example for you. So a while ago, we were on vacation, and we had this other family we're friends with. They live down south, so we said, hey, we'll meet you down at Myrtle Beach. So we go down to Myrtle Beach, and we get out on the beach. One of the best things we love doing as a family is we love playing Ultimate Frisbee. If you ever play Ultimate Frisbee, we love playing it. So we get down on the beach. We're like, hey, we're going to play some Ultimate Frisbee. And so we got my team, and we got the other team. And the, there was somebody on the other team. He was a boyfriend of the family we were friends with. And he's standing in front of the person that's got the Frisbee. Standing in front. He's not super close because he didn't want to get right up on, but he's probably from like me to Nick. So he's kind of like up on Nick a little bit, but he's not too far. And so all of a sudden he gets ready to throw it because one of us is sprinting down the beach. And, and so the person gets ready to throw it, and whoever was throwing it didn't necessarily know what they were doing. And so they throw the Frisbee, and this guy luckily kind of was looking to the side a little bit to see where everybody was. And all of a sudden this Frisbee came flying and hit him right in the side of the head, and you just see like this hit of the Frisbee and then straight to the sand. And you think, and maybe I could be wrong, but I, I'm 99% sure, if I went up to that person and I asked them, was that a mistake? You would probably say as well, if you were watching the situation, yeah, that was probably a mistake. This person probably didn't stand there looking for that person and say, well, I'm going to try to hit him in the head. And, and, no, when you look at him, he's looking down the field, and he gets ready to throw it. And what happened is he held on to the Frisbee too long. And so when he went this way, and instead of letting go when it was right here, he lets go back here, and the Frisbee goes and smacks him in the side of the head. And if you look at a situation like that, you go, okay, that's a mistake. Okay, I made a mistake. Or say, you know, I did this all the time when my mom was working growing up. She'd say, hey, make sure you take the chicken out of the freezer because we need to get it ready for dinner or, or take something out of the fridge so it can be ready for dinner. We'd say, okay. And then maybe I would have some stuff to do or I got watching TV and blah, 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 and I forgot. And so I wouldn't take it out. She would come home. She would get mad because dinner was going to be put way behind now because I didn't get it out in time. And I made a mistake. I didn't purposely say I wasn't going to take it out just because I wanted her to have a rough time for dinner. No. I, I made a mistake. I got busy and I forgot what she had told me to do and so I should have just done it when she told me to. Mistakes are accidental. A mistake is something you do and we learn from to hopefully not do it again. That person who threw the Frisbee said, nah, hey, now I get it. I need to throw the Frisbee way out here so I don't hit anybody again. You do something and it happens and then you learn from it so you don't do it again. But now we've used this word mistake to encompass sin. And we say, oh, you know, when I, when I talk about somebody behind their back, that was a mistake. Or, hey, you know, I know I'm not, not really supposed to, you know, hang out with my boyfriend when nobody's watching and we start pushing the boundaries or my girlfriend. So, but, but it's okay. We pushed the boundaries. We, we went too far, but that was a mistake. Or, hey, I know I'm supposed to say nice things, but, but all these words that aren't good are coming out of my mouth. Bad words, slander, whatever you want to say. I'm lying to people. But it was a mistake. Do you think when we try to put that category of mistake in the category of sin, that makes sense? Because now, when we kind of switch to the definition of sin, it kind of contradicts what a mistake really is. As we look at mistake, it's accidental. Okay, 
What is the definition of sin? Sin is an act of rebellion against God's law. Sin is an act of rebellion against God's law. Do you know what this word rebel means? It means to, like, go against. You know, when they talk about rebelling or an overthrow or something like that, it's people that understand what's going on. They don't agree with it, and so they, they go at and they rebel against. When you rebel against your parents, they tell you, here's the, here's the rule, and you say, I don't want to listen to it, so I'm going to rebel against it. So sin, if we're putting these two definitions, mistakes are accidental. Sin is knowing God's standard, but saying, I don't want to follow it, so I'm going to go against it. You see the difference? You can't put mistake in the category of sin when it totally kind of contradicts just in the definition. A, a mistake is maybe knowing, but you kind of just, something slips, or you don't have enough knowledge, or, or you just have an error in judgment. Well, I thought this was going to work, and I, so I must have made a mistake. When you sin, for me to say when me and Shannon were dating and say, you know, we slept together before we got married, that, that oh, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have done that. Even though we knew God's law was, hey, don't sleep together before you get married. Well, we just made a mistake. Probably some of you are going to look at me and go, well, I don't think you made a mistake. You just didn't care to listen. And what we're doing is just categorizing all these things as mistakes because we don't want to use such a bold of a word like sin, because then we look like an evil, dirty person. But the reality is, when you know God's standard and you choose to sin, it's sin. It's not a mistake. And we're just trying to find every which way to consider ourselves not sinners, but mistake makers. But sin hurts people. Sin hurts God. Mistakes don't always do that. Sure, they might hurt in the moment, but when you say, oh, this is what I was thinking. I must have messed up. That was just a mistake on my part. People tend to kind of go, okay, I understand. So let's look at sin for a second. So we say, what is it? Now that we've defined it, here's it, here's it in action at the beginning in Genesis chapter 2. It says this in verse 16 and 17. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Okay, so as we're looking at this idea of sin, this is a rebellious act against God's law. God's kind of standard right here is where he says, hey, you can eat from any tree you want except this one tree. So they have the knowledge to know Adam and Eve weren't blindsided all of a sudden that they took a bite out of this tree and they were like, well, nobody ever told me. God clearly lays out, here's the standard. Here's what I'm telling you you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And then in chapter 3, what happens? You probably know the story, but I'll read it real quick. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it gave her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. This was not a mistake. Okay? I mean, we just have to be honest. They knew what the standard was, and it's not like, well, 
God said, God didn't tell me clearly that this was the exact tree I wasn't supposed to eat. God, God said, you can eat from any tree you want except this one tree. And they chose to go against God's law, against God's command, and rebelled against it and went their own way. They sinned. Sin enters the world at this moment. This wasn't a mistake, and now God's hurt and the rest of humanity's hurt. Because now sin has polluted our lives for the rest of eternity until we go to heaven. Sin became the problem in our relationship with Jesus. From this moment, we have now been separated from Jesus. So what is sin? That's what sin is. What categorizes sin? What categorizes sin? Now, we could spend forever talking about this, but I'm going to quickly try to just go over some different passages because categorizing sin is a very broad topic. It's a very broad topic. Anything, here's what you just, the basic definition you need to know. When you match up with the definition of sin, ultimately what is categorized as sin is anything that goes against God's standard. Anything where God said, here's the standard that I have set, and if it goes against my standard, then that's sin. But if you don't see God as like the morality law giver, there's probably going to be things you don't categorize as sin. I can tell you things and you're going to say, well, Taylor, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, if you don't see God as the ultimate moral lawgiver, then you're probably going to say, well, yeah, I don't agree with it. And you shouldn't because God sets the standard of morality. But if you don't believe he's the one, then you won't agree with me. That makes sense. But he's the ultimate lawgiver, and so he sets the standards. Uh, when my brother was in high school, he was like a junior in high school, and he went, I don't know if any of you go out to the reformatory when it's Halloween and go through, when they turn, I think it's into a haunted house and stuff. I never went through it, but my brother loves going there at Halloween. So it was in high school. He said, hey, I'm going to go to the reformatory with a couple of his buddies, and my dad said, that's great, but I want you back by 11. They left at like 8 o'clock. This is great. He said, this is going to be good. We're going to make it through. It'll be all right. Even if there's a long line, a long wait, we'll still make it through, and it'll be fine. We'll be back. 10.30 rolls around, and, and nothing, no, no word from my brother, nothing. I get ready to go to bed because it's late at night at 10.30 for me. I'm an old man, so I go to bed at 10.30, even in high school. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to sleep. I wake up the next morning, and I slept through the night. And I, 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 my brother starts talking to me. He says, man, we didn't get home till like 12.30 last night. And, and he said, we're standing in line, but we were so close to the front when it was like 10.20. And we're like, well, we can't get out of line now because we want to go through it. And we've waited all this time. We've waited two and a half hours to get through it. Yet when my dad, when he left, my dad told him very clearly, I want you home by 11. It was categorized that what my brother chose to do was sin. Why? Because here is what he did. My dad set the standard and said, here's when I want you to be home. My brother said in the back of his mind, he didn't necessarily say this out loud, I don't want to listen to that. So he just kept doing his thing. And so because of him disobeying the, the, the command, if you want to say, that my dad laid out, he now has to receive consequences for what he chose to do. This is what sin looks like. God sets the standard, and when we choose to go against it, we sin. So what does that look like? A couple quick different passages. Here, Proverbs 6, 16 and 19. You've probably heard these. These are what's called the seven deadly sins. Seven deadly sins. So in 
Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19, it says, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. Exodus chapter 20. These are another thing you've probably heard before. You grew up, if you grew up in church, or probably you've just heard growing up, are these things called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17. I'll try to just read the first part. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other gods before me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or image of anything in the heavens or the earth or the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other God. Skip down to verse 7. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Verse 12. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. 13. You must not murder. You 14. Commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And you must not covet. I know I'm flying through these, but Galatians chapter 5, another passage that gives us a little bit of an insight of what sin actually is. Galatians chapter 5 says this, verses 19 and 20. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, adultery, sorcery, hostility, Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again as I have that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this last passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, says this. Verses 9 and 10. Do, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself, those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes who practice homosexuality or are thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive, cheap people, none of them will inherit the kingdom of God. You can go all throughout Scripture and look at all these different passages where God throws out what these sins look like and what categorizes a sin, but here's the basic thing you need to know as we define what sin is, going against the standard that God set, what categorizes sin is exactly kind of the same thing. The action of going against what God said. Okay? When you look at what it is, it's just going against what God said. The action is what categorizes as sin. All these things are actions when you look at sin. Envy, when you envy something. Drunkenness, sexual immorality. These are all actions that you choose to do instead of what God chooses to, to do or wants you to do. And I think what we do is we get in our heads and we go, wow, I think God just doesn't want me to have fun in life. God doesn't want me to have fun. The rest of the world's doing whatever they want. They're partying. They're having fun. They're sleeping with their boyfriends. Whatever it is, you probably thought it at one point or another. I did too as, as a teenager and as I'm growing up. God just doesn't want me to have fun. But what the reality is, is God sets the standards not so that you can't have fun, but that you can get the most fulfillment and joy in life. 
And I promise you, I promise you, you want to go down that road and you want to start diving into sin because you think God's holding out on you, I promise you, you will be empty. Sin leaves you dirty, empty, and dissatisfied. Following the standard that God sets is going to leave you clean, pure, and satisfied and have one of the most enjoyable lives you could ever imagine. The problem is sin in our relationship with Jesus, but Jesus gives us the manual from what, for what to stay away from. You just The hard thing about sin is if you don't know what God's standard is, you're not going to be able to know what sin is. That's why we need you to be in the Word. That's why we need you to be growing in your faith so that you know this is what God calls me to live by, and so I know that if I go against that, that's sin. Finally, what's the solution to sin? The simple solution to sin is forgiveness. Simple solution to sin is forgiveness. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me, forgiveness offers us the solution to sin. Because of sin entering the world back in what we read in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, we're never going to be clean, pure, and perfect again until we get into eternity with Jesus again. So I can't give you the solution to make you never sin again. I can't give you the formula that's going to say, if you do this, this, and this, you'll never sin again. But what I can tell you is that there's somebody that was willing to pay a price so that you wouldn't have to be defined by your sin anymore. That the more you pursue this person because of what he did for you, the more you're going to want to follow him and the less you're going to want to sin. The simple solution is forgiveness. What does that look like? Well, there's a couple different verses. One, John 3.16, one of my favorite verses. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. John chapter 8, I'm not going to read the whole section, but there was a woman caught in adultery and she was brought in front of Jesus and Jesus basically is with this crowd teaching and they come up and say, well, she was caught in the act of adultery. What should we do? Because the law tells us to stone her. How would you like to be in that situation? And they stand there, and Jesus says, You who is without sin, throw the first stone. And one by one, they drop them. Because they've all sinned. And she says, "Where?" Or Jesus says to the woman, Where are all your accusers? And she says, They're not here anymore. And he says, Well, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Basically, what he's saying is, I forgive you. I forgive you for what you did. You don't have to be defined by your sin anymore. You don't have to worry about your sin anymore. I forgive you for your sin. And he does the same thing in Luke chapter 23, verse 43 says this. In a story that Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, and Jesus replied, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus basically saying, well, there's two criminals hanging on each side. The one says, stop, we, we don't... Do- He doesn't deserve to be up here. We are criminals. We deserve to die. And yet you continue to make fun of him. You blaspheme him. And you deserve every right for your punishment. Jesus turns to the one and says, Hey, I forgive you. You're going to be with me in heaven. Jesus offered us the road to where now we can have freedom from our sin. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We can be clean we can be pure, and we can be satisfied because He cares enough to say, I don't care if you sin 
and you mess up. I mean, we, we need to get in our minds a little bit of what it's like with our parents. I would say a majority, if not, you probably have somebody in your life, but a majority of parents in here, if you were to, just like my brother, say they tell you, hey, you can go out with your friends tonight, but you got to be back home by 10. If you get home at 1030, I guarantee you, your parents are not going to say, well, pack your things up, you're out of here. I'm done. I'm done with you. No, a lot of us, our parents are going to say, yeah, I'm disappointed in you. You, you didn't listen to me, and you're going to receive punishment, consequences for that, but they're not going to kick you out of the house and never talk to you again. And you would think, yeah, well, they shouldn't. They're my parents. You have every, Jesus has every right to kick you to the curb with the ways we continue to go against him, the ways we continue to sin against him, because he set this standard. Yet God is just like our parent who says, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. Even the worst things that you feel like you've done, I'm going to forgive you. Jesus has offered us that road. Sin separates us from God, while Jesus' willingness to forgive reconnects us. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more, the less you're going to want to sin. The problem is sin, but Jesus, God offered us a solution, and that's forgiveness. So what is sin? Sin is basically the standard God set, and we decide to rebel against God's law. What categorizes sin? Basically, it's anything in this action category that you choose to do instead of following what God's law is. And then what's the solution to sin? It's forgiveness. It's life through Jesus, accepting what he did on the cross so that we can have life and life to the fullest. You can't really see it super well here, but I've got a penny here. And if any of you guys especially those who drive or you got a spot where you stick loose change, it easily gets dirty. So you can't probably see it. I'll try to put it in this light a little bit. But on this side of the penny and this side of the penny, there's like green. Green on the side of this penny. I got this little change spot in my car that's like right by the, the gear shift, and I just put loose change in there all the time. And this one's on a very bottom, and probably there's worse ones than this, but this is the one I pulled out. There's all this green stuff and there's white on there. It's disgusting. It's kind of sticky. I don't know what the stickiness is, but it's, it's something. It's nasty. This penny's gross. Now, if I were to, and I didn't have any this morning, but if I were to, I have a cup right here of peroxide, the stuff you use to clean cuts, all that different stuff, and I were to drop this penny inside of here and like a half hour take the penny out, I don't know how long it would take, it would look like a brand new penny. Because there's something in here that helps clean all the dirt and the nasty stuff off of the penny so that it looks nice and new again. This is how we are when we come to this relationship with Jesus. We're dirty, we're messed up. We got green all over us, we got white all over us, we got the sticky stuff, we don't even know what it is. It's, it's sin that's all over us. And Jesus is like the peroxide who says, man or God is, and he says, I'll send my son so that you can be forgiven, you can be cleansed, and you can be a new person. And so we get dropped into here, and Jesus cleanses us because we realize what he did for us, and we need that Savior, and he forgives us, and we come out fresh and new with no more sin. Because now what happens when you're in this relationship with Jesus 
is that Jesus doesn't see the sin. When God looks at you, he doesn't see sin. What he sees is Jesus and what he did for you. So when he looks at you now, he goes, wow, pure, holy, blameless, because of what Jesus did for you. He stands in the way so that that's all God sees. You can choose to be a penny that's dirty, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, this is the problem in our world, and it's sin. It's that simple. You can have the choice. Do you want to follow Jesus and become clean? Or do you want to keep gathering dirt on your penny and living your life the way you want to? And that's fine. That's fine. But I'm offering you, here's the way that you can come out of this sin, this dirt, this nastiness. It's Jesus. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus. He's the solution to the problem of sin.